Hello, and welcome to Insights into Wealth with Bull Wealth. I'm Julian Smith, CEO of Bull Wealth. Today, Randy Gunn, Bull Wealth's client strategist, speaks with Adam Jagalewski, managing partner at Twin River, a global impact platform advising high net worth families, foundations, and institutional investors on how to implement a positive social and environmental impact on the world we live in. With over a decade of experience that spans from being the co-founder of the Mars Center for Impact Investing to a management consultant with Price Waterhouse Coopers, Adam has vast knowledge on how investors perceive and implement impact investment strategies. Randy and Adam will explore the meaning of impact investing and how it differs from his close cousin, ESG, which stands for environmental, social, and governance. Also, Randy and Adam will discuss how impact investing is gaining traction and the potential returns global investors can expect. Guess what? It is more than financial gains. Randy and Adam's conversation is both thoughtful and insightful, and we hope it helps with broadening your knowledge on a unique and growing investment strategy. As you know, we like to keep it short and simple, so we will leave it to Randy and Adam to further discuss impact investing. Adam, thank you very much for joining me on the call this morning. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me. My first question is around impact investing, but I'm wondering if you could take a few minutes and explain to the listeners what impact investing is, and more importantly, why it seems to be gaining popularity. Sure. Let's start off with the definition. Impact investing is making investments with the intention to generate a positive, measurable social and environmental impact alongside a financial return. Not only does the investor want a financial return, but also a targeted benefit that will improve people and the planet. Most people easily relate impact investing to the private markets. An entrepreneur developing a solution that directly links to some positive benefit, like a health venture or a clean technology, a learning application, or a healthier food alternative. Why it's gaining traction, I think it's because people are trying to find investment opportunities that align with their personal values. And I think we can apply values to all decisions in our life, what we eat, where we vacation, how we heat or cool our homes. Impact investing allows individuals and institutions who are being asked for this from their clients to integrate impact considerations alongside risk and return. And This is playing out quite significantly amongst millennials, Gen Z, and females in particular. Any study you pick up pulls a group of individuals in those categories, and 85 to 95% of them are believing in the power of impact investing and wanting more options. So it's gaining traction in a big way. I think there's a lot of confusion about the difference between impact investing and ESG investing. Wondering if you could just take a couple of minutes and provide a framework so people can understand the difference between the two. Sure. There is a lot of confusion, isn't there? First, let's start with ESG. It's not a standalone investment strategy. It's really a lens to assess organizational risks. Maybe the best thing to do is to try to put analogy together. If you think about investing like buying a car, would you be comfortable with only hearing information about how the car was made, 
to make a decision? Or would you want to know things like how it drives its emissions, gas mileage, the safety of the car, the outputs and the outcomes that ultimately affect you, the buyer? Well, impact investing is like the latter, not the former. That's very helpful. Thank you. When I think about impact investing, a lot of people have told me that impact investing is the ultimate form of philanthropy. And maybe you could help me and the audience understand where do those two intersect, namely impact investing and philanthropy? There's no question there's a close connection between the two. If you really just think about the objectives of philanthropy and impact investing, you're using capital to influence positive outcomes. But the mechanics is really different. Since there's an explicit expectation of a financial return associated with the impact investment, I can't think of a better pool of capital to pursue impact investing than a philanthropic pool, like a foundation. Here you have an organization that has been set up with the objective to fund in a positive way social issues. When I think about impact investing, a comment that I often hear is that if you're going to participate in an impact investment, you're going to have to accept a lower financial return. Just wondering if you can comment. Well, I think it's natural for people to associate impact investing and charitable giving. And in effect, the low returns that may come with impact investing is a limited opportunity set. Like if we're thinking about the definitional boundaries where you're intentionally and measurably trying to seek an environmental return, you are eliminating an opportunity set of investments. And so people may think that there's associated risk with that and some concessional returns. But that's not necessarily the case. I can speak anecdotally to this, and I can also reference research. Generally speaking, the impact investment managers have beat the markets three to the five years. Impact investors don't typically hold carbon intensive sectors like oil and gas. And so in the last two years, without having that market exposure, it has affected returns. But we're seeing research that's showing that impact investments are at least performing as good or better than their benchmarks in other areas. The Global Impact Investing Network is an organization doing research on the space, and they publish a report every year surveying over 1,500 institutional investors. The research consistently shows that impact investments are in line or outperforming their benchmarks. And last year, the 2022 report showed that 90% of respondents felt this way. So it's not the case that there is concessional returns associated with impact investments. But I also don't want to leave investors and listeners with the impression that impact investments are immune to market fluctuations. That's just simply not the case. The last 16 months has been a challenging time for all and including impact investors impact is just like other traditional investments and they fluctuate as well. I think there's a fundamental belief that impact companies over time will beat their competition on attracting talent, competing for their next customer, or garnering lower costs of capital. Maybe the last point I'll make, Randy, is that it doesn't really take much than going past the front page of the newspaper or the headlines to say that there's massive opportunities, just what's going on with the world in the impact space. Take climate change as one example, just the sheer scope of change that's needed and the possible scale of the addressable market presents a very large investment opportunity and there's profit associated with that too.
Adam, thank you for that. I do think there's something to be said about people really wanting to align their personal values with their investment portfolio. So I think a lot of this information is very timely. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what are the opportunities out there for investors who want to get into impact investing? Part of the challenge with it being relatively new in Canada is people just don't know how to get in the game if they want to. So maybe you could speak to a little bit about that. I hope this doesn't sound like a cop-out answer, but impact investing tends to be a personal decision. I see many factors go into play when people or even corporations are looking to place money for impact. Some are thinking about what themes are most interesting to them, like where do they want to narrow their focus? Do you want to invest locally? Do you want to invest in Toronto and only Toronto as an example? Or do you want to invest nationally where a company is growing and scaling their business nationally? Or are you looking globally? That does change the opportunity set involved. Some people are thinking about risk return. Some people are thinking about the highest impact opportunities, and I want the most impactful solutions, and the returns don't necessarily matter. Over the last six weeks, I've been traveling across Canada, and I do an interesting exercise where I present high-level details on investment opportunities in a range of different themes and try to help people understand what they're interested in. I also mix it up and I put in some direct investments, some funds and different risk return profiles. And I was in Alberta and that group was interested in education and mostly education opportunities in the private markets versus public markets. And they wanted to do these investments directly. They didn't want to use outside managers. But then if I was to think about the results in Quebec, they were different. Climate was the priority issue and they wanted to invest through other managers and they tend to gravitate towards public market investments. So it does tend to be a personal decision on where the opportunities are. But generally speaking, in all of the studies that I've been a part of and anecdotally through my travels, most people are interested in climate, in health, and in education, and more and more people are interested in housing, affordable housing for Canadians generally. I think you've kind of outlined it. It's a personal decision what theme you're interested in. Depends, are you focused on the financial return? Or are you more interested in the social return? And then, like you said, public or private market. So I think the message I'm hoping people walk away with is getting help to try and design your strategy. Moving on to our final question, wondering if you could talk a little bit about the headwinds that the market's facing here in Canada. I know it's still in its infancy, it's still small, still growing, but maybe you could talk about some of the some of the challenges facing the impact investing space. There's certainly headwinds. Everything's not rosy. We're early in 2023 and there's general economic instability. There's questions around interest rates. There's a war happening. The price of oil is fluctuating. These are all major factors that are playing into impact investing in a big way. The biggest headwind is not something that I thought I'd be saying in 2023. I started in this space in 2009, and a lot of what I was doing was just building general awareness for impact investing, how governments can play in the space, how foundations, how pensions, et cetera. And I was talking at universities. I was really trying to reach as broad of an audience as possible. I thought this was a new approach. You integrate impact alongside risk and return, and there was going to be a logical graduation as to how we invest. Getting people off of these traditional norms and building awareness continues to be the biggest challenge for impact investing, even still in 2023. Adam, that's great. Thank you so much for joining me on the call today. Thanks for having me, Randy. 
Thanks again to our guest, Adam Jagalewski. Insights into Wealth is the Vocal Fry Studios production. Our producer is Sabrina Brathwaite. I'm your host, Julian Smith. If you want to reach out to me, please email me directly, or you may find me on LinkedIn. Bullwealth is the corporate group name of Bull Capital Management, Inc. and Bull Wealth Management Group, Inc. Bull Capital Management, Inc. is registered as a portfolio manager in the provinces of Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta, Quebec, and Saskatchewan. An exempt market dealer in the provinces of Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta, and Quebec. And also an investment fund manager in the province of Ontario. The information contained in this podcast is not intended to solicit or to provide research or investment advice to the listeners by Bull Wealth or any of its affiliates. Also, receipt of the podcast by its listeners is not to be taken as constituting solicitation or giving of research or investment advice by Bullwealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part.